0: Take two because somebody forgot to push record. Maybe I'll leave that in. Maybe I won't. I don't know if I want people to go, oh, and I thought he was so perfect.
1: <laughs> I don't think anybody's saying that.
0: Really? I don't know. Maybe that's the next poll on our uh, Facebook group.
1: Good luck there.
0: Dead men tell no tales. Fifteen all of man's chest Yo-ho-ho oh, and a bottle of rum Drink and the devil had done for the rest Yo-ho-ho oh, and a bottle of rum What will we do with a drunken sailor? What will we do with a drunken sailor? What will we do with a drunken sailor? And a come on. the ship with black sails that's crewed by the dam. Welcome
1: aboard the Black Pearl.
0: Welcome to the Black Pearl Show, a Pirates of the Caribbean Minute podcast where we analyze, scrutinize, and plunder the Pirates of the Caribbean films one blimey minute at a time. Deja vu? Oh yeah. I'm Scott Artist from, where else? ScottArtist.com.
1: And I'm Heather Artist from BlackPearlMinute.com.
0: You know, I wanted to go back into things in the banter that we had, but now it would be so scripted. <laughs> Are you ever going to... Be from somewhere else other than blackpearlminute.com?
1: Hell no. <laughs>
0: and then I think I said something to the effect of, yeah, it would look like a 1990s HTML site that's never I been said because
1: I couldn't keep up on that.
0: Yeah. And this is exactly what happens when you don't push the record button the first round and you start. This
1: doesn't sound right through, the second time around.
0: Especially when we try to repeat it. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. On this déjà vu moment, as we cannonade minute eighty-three of Dead Man's Chest. Gatorade is for the deep down body I'm I think I said something to the effect like, "Let's just jump right into this," but it's weird now it's
1: because we just did this.
0: Now it's all gonna be mishmashed with things that we were talking about before. Oh God, dang it! You know we started off so strong. Now we got a repeat thing going on What's here.
1: really bad is we went through the whole 30 minutes. Yeah, right. <laughs> And then you no, realize you weren't recording. That's not true. We
0: didn't do that. We started things off, though. In the previous minute, Lord Cutler Beckett continues to play with Norrington's sword while simultaneously giving a handcuffed Governor Swan a bit of peer pressure to join his team
1: sounds like a repeat by the way does
0: it's not as funny the second time (laughs) because we expect you expected it now (laughs) the euphemisms have all been wasted yep it's like a one shot now it's gone euphemism right there we have a bunch of toys cannons cutlasses pieces of metal come on it'll be fun but not so much fun for the second time
1: are the pieces of metal like silverware
0: this sounds vaguely familiar Remember Ragetti's eye, the blunderbuss <laughs> cannon incident? Oh my god, this is bad. Minute 83 begins with Beckett continuing his line to Mercer about Governor Swan, even for what he'd hoped never to sell. We fade to dice slowly falling and find ourselves back aboard the Flying Dutchman and the crew playing a game of Liar's Dice. The minute ends with Will Turner challenging Davy Jones to a game, and Jones' crab leg thumping on the deck as he approaches Unseen. Damn it, I forgot to record again. No, just kidding. <laughs> But it's just like Beckett to want to have the last word. That stodgy, damn you Beckett. Like the last minute he comes out of the gate today and strikes a blow to the heavy-hearted Governor Swan. Exactly. He's so rude. He is. Even for what he'd hope never to sell. Seriously, that's a damn you Beckett moment. He's really slapping Swan here. He's giving him the beatdown. Swan has that completely disheveled look too. Not the look. Okay, it's not like the outward appearance that I'm talking about here. Oh, you gotta okay. get on board with things. Because it's like the Dorian Gray thing. On the inside, okay, okay, he looks like the painting. But on the outside, he looks young and fresh still. Uh, governor fresh. <laughs> Semi-fresh.
1: I didn't realize his hair was cut so short, though.
0: Oh, yeah. But I think that was part of it, though. And I, This is where I start to just make stuff up, because I don't really <laughs> recall. But, A... To have a bunch of long hair under a giant wig all the time? Be hot. Oh, Ooh, yeah. Hot, especially out in the Caribbean. Secondly, bugs. You got lice and things back oh, then. Oh, well, he short. wouldn't
1: have bugs.
0: Hey, they all had bugs, okay? We're talking bugs.
1: Because he was bathing more than I st- the okay. average. You know what?
0: I still think they had bugs. But I, like I said, I'm making some stuff up here. I don't really exactly know the complete ins and outs, but you that's, know that's just h- my theory.
1: That's how Flea Market got the name, don't you?
0: Because, because Governor furn- Swan visited no, there, all the
1: furniture had bugs in oh, it. Oh
0: yeah, we I think we covered that somewhere. Oh, I was just reminding I think he you. You brought that to us. That's reminding some point. you. Anyways, it's uh, like Governor Swan just sold his soul to the devil. The what have I done moment right there. Because it's really a good scene as we wrap up Port Royal for now. There's some excellent symbolism, and I really haven't weighed on the symbolism thing in a while. But I I wanted to give everybody a break before I did that. It's like a symbolic break that I was providing people.
1: So we went at one episode without a symbolic... No,
0: it's been a while. Think about it. When was the last time I brought up I've symbolism? No Probably Pelagosto dang near. Or maybe, before, maybe after that. I don't know. But this is a good one. Not far-fetched. While Becky gives Swan the verbal beatdown about selling his pride, you know, his soul, his entire being, all that stuff. Yeah. The camera zooms out. The opposite of what we would normally expect in a scene like this. Not the zoom in as we see, like, Swan's deteriorating expression, his sadness. Yeah. We get the pull out, making him smaller. Swan gets smaller in the camera frame, as well as metaphorically. Mm. Hard-hitting symbolism after Swan sells out. Mind you, sells out in an attempt to save his daughter, but... He still sells 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 out. Yeah, there you go. But the camera pulls back. Creates a smaller look, and I thought that was really interesting.
1: Maybe before Swan gave everything up for his daughter, he should have thought about his daughter and how she can take care of herself. Because she does a pretty good damn job about it. That's
0: true. I don't know if he thought about that.
1: Yeah. Because she's pretty good at taking care of herself.
0: But is he going to hedge that bet? Because he knows he can't do anything for her if he's in the jail cell and in shackles. That's true. Manacles. So this is his best option at this point. Yeah. Maybe he can continue to work against Beckett slyly and help his daughter. He can write some fancy to-do notes again. Get mm. other captains killed. Yep. On the docks there at night by Mercer. But it's the same theme we saw early on, though. It's like the gift of the Magi thing happening here. Everyone is selling something they love and cherish to save a loved one. Mm. Governor sells his pride in his position. Elizabeth sells her know-how to trust Jack and go after the chest. We obviously will sold himself and made a bargain with Beckett and Jones essentially to save Elizabeth. Maybe not so much with Jones, but kind of. Yeah. And as of now, Elizabeth is really the only one in the triangle that didn't like completely drop her guard though, even though she does trust Jack and goes along with him. And of course, Jack is hovering above all this, commanding Will and Elizabeth to get the chest for him.
1: Yeah. They're like his little puppets.
0: Yeah. He is a puppet master with this yeah. stuff. Don't trust a pirate. Don't trust Jack Sparrow. They should have known this. But it's like, in their state, they have no other options. So they got to trust him. I think that's what it kind of comes down to. Because Elizabeth approaches him because it's really the only option she does have. Because nobody else knows where Will is. Right. She has to go along with him. Jack basically said he knew where Will was. She could talk to any other pirate out there and nobody's going to know, A, who Will even is. Yeah. Maybe the Longport guy. Oh, yeah. Ooh, long pork. He's gonna, and then she's gonna go, oh my god, did they eat him? Yeah. So this, that's what's good about it. At least for her, anyways, because she has no other option. Then there's also more symbolism with the transition to the Flying Dutchman as we leave Port Royal. Swan makes a deal with Beckett, you know. Then we get this roll of the dice thing. That's Literally. what's perfect about it. Yeah, Swan is rolling the dice, trusting Beckett. Then we get the actual roll of the dice.
1: Exactly.
0: Thank you, Automaton. You're welcome. Is this a typical transition with the Pirates of the Caribbean film franchise? In it, seems different, maybe a bit unique, because I like it.
1: I I like the transition. I thought it was pretty. I did. Neat.
0: I really liked
1: the it. The rolling of the dice was really cool. And it's
0: slow motion. Yeah. But I don't remember seeing other transitions like this. And maybe no. there was no other opportunity to. They're but I'm trying to think that. More just flipping back. over. Yeah. And so now I'm now I'm going to have to really pay attention to the transitions. Maybe that's the whole thing. This one just really caught me and then i forgot about the other ones and they just haven't really oh no i think we've had some good ones though with like flags and things like that at some point maybe. so i'm going to i'm going to have to like put that on hold and like revisit it at some point
1: maybe if you pay more attention to transitions in the movie you can transition better on the show Arr! Or... Eww, shiver me timbers
0: oh, oh wow <laughs> wow Lord Cutler <laughs> Heather just levied a beat down on me. What the hell? Just sitting here bringing symbolism to the people and you... You s- always make me. fun
1: of your transition, so I had to help you. I
0: do, but that's me. It, that's it like... seemed
1: the perfect time to, t- to wow. help you with that.
0: Jeez, I got a tear rolling down my cheek now. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry my transitions aren't up to your
1: Oh, I'm just giving expectations. You time.
0: But the minute is mostly set up. I mean, it's a bit of exposition what yeah. we got here. Because now I've lost my complete train of thought on what was going Sorry. on. I'm just thinking about how am I going to transition to the next <laughs> I thing. I would
1: just give you a hard time.
0: Will reads us the directions to Liar's Dice before he calls out Davy Jones. He actually goes through the directions. It's like, this is how you play Monopoly.
1: Kinda. No,
0: he does. What? No, kinda. He does. Gives us the breakdown. Right? Kind of runs through it. Gives the audience a heads up of what's going a on. quick. A quick heads up. He still kind of goes through the directions.
1: He was just confirming.
0: Yeah, he is. And and I'm going to I'm going to save what I have on that kind of break down that scene about the script for the next minute or so because I have some information on that. I don't want to just throw it out here. Okay. So I'll roll it over when I have other things to talk about. But there are some differences and things that I like about the script that doesn't translate into the movie. Oh, okay. So we'll talk about that. But rolling the dice, trying to think of a quick transition so I don't keep <laughs> Liars' dice. Oral lore among those who play it is that it has a Hispano-American game kind of origin. Dudo, oh, really? Yeah, it's called Dudo. Is the oldest D- of the games in the family collectively known as Liars' dice. The game is also called Perudo.
1: Oh, okay. I was gonna say. Yeah, I was, I, don't try to
0: call me. Out I on was that. going
1: to, dude, because I watched the the the
0: the dot com. Is that what you're gonna say? The no. dot com. The
1: commentary. And And they said that Jack and his wife introduced everybody to. First, you can't say just Jack because
0: people are going to go. Oh, Jack Jack Davenport. Jack Davenport, commonly Norrington, is disheveled Norrington.
1: Yeah. And his wife introduced everybody to this dice. Yeah, and then it gets
0: wrapped up into the movie. Pretty cool. But it has Perudo, has its supposed origins in Peru. And it's certainly known there as well as in Spain. And the story goes that the game was brought back to Spain by the conquistadors. And then all other variants flow from there. Many people say specifically that the rules were taught to Francisco Pizarro by his prisoner, the Sapa Inca Atualapa. Something like that. Oh, Let's okay. just pretend I got that right. Because I'm not going to revisit it. I'm not going to try and get that right. And nope. then do 50 takes and then cut it out. But there's no evidence for this origin, actually. And plenty of reason to find it highly improbable. But the traditional game, like this whole family of this game that I was, you know, we talked about, yeah, I mentioned before you try to call me out on Perudo, Dudo, Liar's Dice is well worth playing. And the diversity of customs surrounding its play is is definitely interesting to look at, because the first reason to doubt the story is that we know Dudo. We know Dudo about it. <laughs> well, not to have been a native South American dice game, it's simply impossible because there was no South American dice games prior to the arrival of the Spanish. So mm. you can't have a dice game before dice games. It's a chicken and the egg thing, but with no eggs. And as the new world was wholly lacking in dice games, actually, and in dice, so it just wasn't happening in the new world. And dice date back thousands of years in the old world as supported by archaeological finds. I'll bring more dice facts later because, hey, I might need some material later on. (laughs) I don't want to spoil my dice history. In the audio commentary of Pirates of the Caribbean Dead Man's Chest, I think you were just mentioning that. That I was. It's interesting because they really get into this whole idea of the game. And Terry and Ted are really into the commentary about this particular sequence and the game itself. Oh, yeah. And yet when I'm actually watching it, I'm not that into it. I'm into more of the, like, the bet. Okay, we're not really getting there. So I'm going to be jumping ahead. Of course I'm you getting will. In, you know, I'm more into maybe the bids and stuff and how it goes. But they really expanded on this whole Dice game. There was multiple games and scenes and it went on for a long time. They're really into it. Yeah. And they're really kind of sad it got cut out, it seemed like, from the Well, commentary. that's because
1: they were playing it all the time.
0: But that's what's interesting. Is that they seem... They're more interested in it than I was. And maybe as the audience would be. And I think that was why the smart move was done to cut out some yeah. of it. Otherwise... We'd have another whole freaking Pelagosto scene. We're there for 15 minutes watching all these Liars Dice games happening between crew, multiple games with Jones and Will. It just gets overboard. Yeah. And I don't know. I mean, who am I to criticize these guys after creating this franchise and more? But it just seems that that went on would go on a little too long, and the smart move for Verbinski and the editors was to drop some of that to the proverbial cutting room floor. Do
1: it a qu- just a quick game, yeah. You know, a presentation game with the guys, and then a quick game with. That's it. it it's almost
0: okay. It would turn into because we got to have a salacious office reference, a gratuitous office reference scene is when. Michael Scott finally releases his film Threat Level Midnight. Okay. <laughs> and he's talking to the president of the United States about whether he's going to accept the mission or not. And he's like, heads, it's a go, tails, I don't take it, or whatever the hell it is. Best out of seven. And then they actually show him flipping it seven times. Yeah. And everybody's just sitting there kind of waiting. That's what would happen if we actually watched all these games go.
1: Exactly. It
0: go on too long. Hasbro did release. A Pirates Dice game, which is exactly the same as Liar's Dice, it just has a different name because they were, oh, that's weird. Hasbro trying to capitalize on Pirates of the Caribbean. When you lose, you take a die out of the loser's game. So there you go. Hmm. But strange. People trying to make money off of Pirates of the Caribbean. That's weird. Next thing you know, some idiots will have a Pirates of the Caribbean Minute podcast (laughs) talking about Pirates of the Caribbean. Strange. And as we all know, when playing dice, two heads are better than one. Did that work as a transition? I don't know. We've seen them before, but we get a better look here. Crewman behind Will and Bootstrap, they're known as Two-Head, or is known as Two-Head.
1: You mean the guy that's picking something off his buddy's chest and then yeah. eating it? It's like he eats a little
0: fish there or something. He eats
1: something off his chest. Little, I don't uh, know what it was, yeah. feather duster worm yeah. or something. Yeah.
0: He's all pluck. Well, he didn't say pluck. He just No, he but it made a it. little
1: plucking noise. It was
0: all... <laughs> yeah. Like uh Davy Jones... <laughs> yeah. Spurt thing. Two pirate brothers who resemble Siamese twins, is what we got there. At some unknown point in their life, they became members of the crew of the Flying Dutchman under Captain Davy Jones. Pretty much how all these guys come so they start their story. So they
1: previously Siamese.
0: No, resembling. Oh, But right. the two brothers were never actually born as conjoined twins. They were joined together as a result of the eternal servitude mm. aboard the Flying Dutchman.
1: Very interesting.
0: They were joined from the shoulder down, each one with one arm. And a third leg ending in a stump where they were connected. Huh, third leg as I, as I rub my non-existent beard. <laughs> Kinda you know you have that. a
1: beard that hangs down to your belly button. <laughs>
0: it's like uh, a... <laughs> why is that so funny? I don't know. <laughs> It's like I'm on that band. ZZ Top. Thank you. ZZ Top. (laughs) Yeah. When I rub my beard, it's actually down by my legs. And you braid it. I do braid it, but that's my business. (laughs) A third third leg ending in a stump. You know, that's just so pirate euphemistic right there. And and it's such easy pickings. I'm just going to let it slide. (laughs) Two further arms hung limp. (laughs) Come on. The euphemisms here. Let's just be honest. Wow. From their front and back. Their toes were cemented into calcified blocks by tiny parasitic crustaceans. By the Hmm. way, this is their official description. The left twin had lobster claws growing out of his head while his brother's eyes had transformed into those of a seahorse. They both had small beards, (laughs) ZZ Top style, of (laughs) coral and eyes like polyps. Weapons of choice, the cutlass and the thrusting dagger. Hmm. So endeth our description of two heads. But the twins were actually portrayed by real-life twins Chris and Michael Simons. Oh, really? Yeah. Chris Simons, about eight TV movie credits from 1989 to 2008. Not surprisingly, all of those credits, but three have twin in his role. Really? (laughs) Yeah. How funny. The best, of course, Trailer Park of Terror was the one that he was in. Sounds like a good romp. Oh, yeah. Trailer Park of Terror. Michael Simons. Yeah, he also has eight credits, spanning 2003 to 2008, though. A little overlap. I'm assuming that some of those twin roles were with somebody else, maybe. <laughs> I checked out their website because there was a website link from their IMDb pages. Simonstwins.com. And it didn't disappoint me. No? I've got to say, simontwins.com. Oh, yeah. Got some pleasure out of visiting that site. Really? Jumped into my internet time machine and went all the way back to 2006 to visit that site. <laughs> And I'm trying to remember websites from 2006. And I want to say this design was actually straight from 1996. HTML. All these shadows on the buttons. Ah, the 90s. You gotta love it. Seriously. Ah, we've come so far with internet, website, all that stuff. Yet yeah, simonstwins.com. Yeah, still floating around out there. It's Like going to the Wayback Machine on the internet. Sure, it's outdated. But the one thing I absolutely love about their site... Was the text on their header picture? <laughs> First thing that I caught my attention when I looked at their website, because <laughs> it has the name of the website. It's like Simon's Twins, okay? Okay. The text, like the the subtext or the subtitle, "Quality acting since March." <laughs> since March, huh? That's what they went with. That's Quality quite interesting. Acting since March, and I thought, now that's spectacular marketing. <laughs> Wow. They really throw down the gauntlet. Damn it, guys. The date. Quality acting since March. What does that mean? (laughs) I mean, seriously. And of course, there was the helpful frequently asked questions.
1: Wait, before you move on, I just opened up the page. It says you get the two for one
0: special. (laughs) That was another chip on there. That two-for-one special.
1: <laughs> and there's actually a little button. Boy, it looks like a button. I don't know if that's what it is. Oh, it is a button. Maybe. Up in the corner, the left-hand corner, and it's in—it's a red bubble or ball, and it says two-for-one special.
0: Yeah, so it looks like they're peddling in the flesh trade.
1: See him, them, hear them, watch them. Yeah. This so is I, a choice I, website. As I started things
0: off. There was also a frequently asked questions that I thought was really helpful. Because are you ready for this? I'm going to ask you again because I need to know, are you ready for this?
1: Oh, I am. They have merchandise, by the way.
0: Remember, quality acting since March. This is where this is coming from. And two for one specials. And I'm going to run down the entire list. You won't get bored. Trust me. Here's the first question. Are you guys twins? Answer, yes. <laughs> 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 yeah. Yes, we are. Yes.
1: Oh, my God.
0: You guys are so tall. Do you play basketball? Answer, no.
1: Just no. Don't even say how tall they are or anything. Just says no. Do
0: we need to take a break? Are these hard-hitting questions and answers leaving you wanting more? That's what I want to know.
1: I just read the next question.
0: How can I breed my own twin army to do my bidding? (laughs) The answer is excellent question. The term twin army implies an army of two. And since that's not a lot of muscle, we don't recommend trying that. (laughs) Any special twin powers, that's the next question, is thin special. So they answer with a question. Can one sense when the other is around? Only on burrito night. <laughs> so there you have it. And if you are a fan of Back to the Future, head over to the Simon's twins.com And that's Simon with a Y and a D. Something like that. That's a clue. That's insane though. Yeah, that's, that's what pretty I funny. That's what I'm gonna end with. I'm it gonna also, end with also
1: have fan art on there too. I but some It
0: hasn't been updated since two thousand six because I looked at some of their stuff. So it's like they had a brief stint and then they decided to abandon things.
1: Yeah, that's pretty funny.
0: Oh man. Just leaves me wanting more though. <laughs> two head. Oh yeah. Maybe I should reach they out. They have
1: to Chris's them. page. I should and it just has a picture of Chris.
0: Hey. There, it's quality acting since oh, March. Oh, his
1: resumes here. It
0: wasn't quality web design since March. It was quality acting. That's what we're talking about here. So there you go. That's all I got. I don't know if I can top anything else. <laughs> I don't know if I can recover That's from That's pretty that. awesome. So, Will, do you have anything else or are we ready to go? I'm ready to go. We'll be back on Friday with minute 84. Dead man's chest. Until then, scallywags, let's keep the horns swoggling and let's all head to the way, way back. Machine. This is some old website <laughs> There we go. So take me away. I don't mind. Which better promise me I'll be back in time. I gotta get back in time. Don't you You've been listening to the Black Pearl Show. And we appreciate it, scallywags. Heather, I know you're still on pirate time and kicking back with the booze, but you may have noticed, actually who am I kidding, the only thing you've noticed lately is the inside of the Faithful Bride Tavern. Anyways, our procrastination has paid off yet again and season two is here and we are willfully unprepared. Maybe we can distract people with a Jack Sparrow wave of the hands and send people across that thing called the internet. Check us out on facebook.com slash Pirates of the Caribbean Minute, twitter.com slash Men, instagram.com slash Black Show, soundcloud.com slash Pirates of the Caribbean, that's for best of clips, and by all means give us a plug and review on iTunes. We'd appreciate it, mateys. Oh, and let's not forget the Facebook Cursed Crew listeners group for post-episode discussions. That's actually a lot to remember, especially if you're in a foggy haze like Heather. Just go to blackpearlshow.com and everything is there at the click of a button. Perhaps I should have just said that from the beginning. No ho ho This is a Shoutreach Media Production.